When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and Elijah Herbal is in. Brother, did you sleep here last night? I mean, pretty much. Salt Dogs game went late last night because there was a rain delay, even though there was no rain in the capital city. I get Lightning. it. It, it, it was supposed to like dump on Lincoln last night, and then it, it missed us. So, shout out to the Bull. The bull saving us once again. Right. No, that is <laughs> that is good. So Mark Cranach will be with us momentarily. I got the update. I got the uh, the heads up that he was on a coffee run. Do we have connection with Mister Cranach? No, still no. Should still I, no. Should I try calling him back one more time? Yeah. Let's let's just let's just do that. Yeah, that'd be good. We are loaded up, man. One week. One week from today, it is Nebraska. And Illinois will be in Champaign for the uh, the weekend edition. We'll be in Champaign for the Friday afternoon edition. We'll be in Champaign for the Real Red Reaction Show. So let's gear up. Let's talk about it. What a week it has been for Nebraska football that kind of got a, a nuke dropped on it with something you're not real familiar with, with your beloved football program. And that's uh, the fact that uh, Brett McMurphy's uh, source told him that, yep, the NCAA uh, has been uh, sniffing around Nebraska football. Trev Albert, Scott Frost addressed that briefly, acknowledging that the NCAA uh, was in contact with Nebraska. Nebraska has been cooperating, and uh, that was uh, some gloomy news to talk about. Now, what's the, the fallout going to be from it? Level one violations? Probably not. Level two violations? Probably not. Level three? Likely, if Nebraska's found guilty. If there is video evidence that, that hasn't been damaged or erased between uh, then and now. <laughs> I kind of kid. Nixon White House. Anywho, <laughs> uh, so there's that. And then there's the... Straight up optimism of a new season. There's optimism of what 2021 can be. And there's optimism for, you know, this kind of being a, a, a prove-it season. And it's been talked about. We spent time yesterday with some of the buzzwords associated with 2021. Pressure, depth, talent, and oh yeah, potential was kind of the winner word that Elijah had yesterday. And that's how I see this 2021 season. There's so much potential. There's so much opportunity, specifically with uh, the schedule, with what type of momentum can be generated. And I think that's so big, the pressure to momentum component 
that Nebraska has been building up to try and go execute. And uh, we'll take your calls this morning uh, when it comes to your level of buzz. I don't want to know how buzzed you are this morning. <laughs> I don't want projections on how buzzed you're going to be uh, next Saturday morning, either in Champaign or out back as you get ready for the, uh, the big noon kickoff uh, on Fox. But just uh, your excitement level. And there's been a lot of seasons we've covered. There's been a lot of seasons that there's been just an extra level of juice and intrigue. Because why? Because there's something majorly new to Nebraska football. Could be a new AD. Could be a new coach. Could be both. Could be a new quarterback, could be a new defensive coordinator. Hey, guess what? There's probably a great likelihood there's been a new safeties coach. All right? Someone coaching the secondary because that had been a revolving door. Well, you have a new AD. You have uh, Scott Frost going into year four with trying to meet the, the, the lofty expectations that uh, – that Nebraska fans and, quite frankly, national media have had for him because of the amazing turnaround he had and did in Central Florida. You know, there's been adjustments made. There's been uh, some some analysts done uh, analyzing as far as what you want, what you need in the Big Ten to win ball games, And it's been about getting bigger, stronger, and faster for Nebraska football. It's been a process, and it's been a process well done by Zach Duvall and the kids to get in the weight room, to get the the body types you need. And we'll see how that that rubber meets the road here one week from today, Saturday, against Illinois. Craydack, welcome in, brother. It's uh, seven days. You got your crouch jersey on? Not yet. No. Is it is it a crouch jersey or is it a Reggie Ball? I would go or, crouch. Or is it Frost? It could be. Sorry. I just went. It's just default in my mind. Seven is the Heisman winner. Or is it Mo Berry? Could be Mo Berry. Mm-hmm. You know, you can mm-hmm. keep could, going. Could be Luke McCaffrey, right? <laughs> could be could, Luke McCaffrey. Could have, could have been. <laughs> I don't know what number he's wearing at Rice, nor do I know if you can get a Rice jersey. Uh, so, no, it, it's seven days. He should wear 86 because he, he keeps getting out of here. Uh, potential pressure. Let's get into your level of excitement, Cranach. It's a week away. It's been a crazy last several months with covid you know how 2020 finished out nice win at rutgers but no bowl game and it's been some some off-field news making between the hiring the departure of of your athletic director you've got hype uh you've got scrutiny and oh yeah by the way now you have the ncaa yeah but you do have (laughs) this is gonna sound so dumb you got depth along the line. <laughs> you know? no, no, good for you. I mean, that's why I love you. You're, you're optimistic. <laughs> you do. You got in a veteran secondary. I talked about turnover and 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 the big bad wolf knocking on your door, and you're like. Guess what? <laughs> There's 12 linemen to choose from. <laughs> I, know. I look on both sides week, of the ball. This week was annoying and it was embarrassing again. Just add it to the list. And that would be a great exercise, by the way. Like, just go back to, say, 02 and start your list of kind of self-imposed embarrassments. Mm -hmm. You know, starting with gravitate to mediocrity. 
right? Like, just start with that and then start with that guy as an embarrassment, right? Yes. It would would take you a long time to finish that list and you would end up leaving stuff out. So, from that standpoint, it was annoying this week, of course. You're just like, come on, come on. But then, the more the week went on and the more you looked at what it is and the more you looked at how they responded, Mm -hmm. both Trev and Scott, and that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing in terms of that dynamic. We'll get there in a second. But like the how confident they were, though, they were both just like, we can't wait to be able to talk about this. But we just can't right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they don't even seem that concerned. They really don't. Uh, they do not seem that worried about the, the, the contents of what was in that article. And maybe who knows? Maybe they're just playing us. But I didn't detect like fear from trev alberts or like oh my god sky is falling and then same with coach frost sky i don't think they I, you know i don't what think I, they think it's a huge deal i look, really don't trev will handle it trev will do well with this i'm still trying to figure out scott's demeanor is he pissed because he doesn't think this is a big deal or was he was he annoyed that he got hauled up having to to be in front of everything. I think it was spur of the moment and he wasn't planning on it. Right. He wasn't planning on That's talking. That's what I think. Okay. okay. I think it was spur of the moment. He wasn't planning on it and sort of all of a sudden found himself in that setting. Trev coming down and being like, let's go, Scott. Scott being like, wait, what? what, what, what Dad, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Dad, what are you talking about? And then, you know, he got dragged. But that was, that was awkward. Mm-hmm. And the, what I was trying to do is like picture, and obviously he's no Nick Saban. But I'm just trying to picture like Nick Saban in that same scenario where the athletic director pulls Nick Saban into an impromptu media session. Wouldn't happen. One, one that would never happen. Because, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Nick Saban would end up beating him somehow <laughs> with the nearest hard object. You, like, you, I have no, <laughs> like he would go all gangster he, on him. He'd look up at little little Bill Byrne Jr. Because <laughs> yeah. Nick's about four foot two. Y'all turn your mics and cameras off, and ha- someone hand me that old tire iron, and and then it would be on. I'm funny. I'm funny. How? Um, it wouldn't go good. Like a clown? <laughs> I make you laugh? Do I amuse I, you? I, listen, I, okay, so maybe that's a bad analogy, but almost any head coach. No, Nick Saban and Joe Pesci is pretty damn good at 7.15 this morning. <laughs> I'll tell you. I, listen, almost any coach would not have responded like that. No. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, he looks so much like... Get me Just out like of here. A, a Get jump. me out of here. Get me out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like me at parent like, teacher conferences it, 10 years ago. Just it's fair. Yeah. It was it was like it was like dude, take off the jock hat for a second, right? Like we know you're a jock. Like <laughs> we know you used to run this joint, right? We know you still allegedly do. I'm kidding. But right? And then, like, Trev, had, Trev was so annoyed, too. I think that's one thing that Trev's going to impart on him. And who knows how long it'll last. Hopefully a while. Trev doesn't seem hell-bent on driving Frost out of here. I don't think he does. That, that is not in anybody's best interest. No, that's, that is not a win for Nebraska football. At all. Let him, At all. Let him get his footing. Let him coach his team. Let him develop some depth. And let him go in some football games. Dude's completely capable, and he's I, a I, and he's a and he's a good coach. 
Now, I know Tripp said he wasn't going to call plays or anything. And he wasn't going to, you know, design plays. But he sh- they should watch film together of that. Of that interaction. <laughs> and Trev needs to have the laser pointer. Be oh, like, my see God. Where you're standing- <laughs> see where you're standing over here off stage while I'm on the mic. And then I have to call you over. And then you do this weird, like, jog run over to... To me, like, how about next time we walk just, together? We walk to yes, and and then I get another idea. Um, you've been around these things before. They're called microphones. When the media is asking you something, and there's a microphone, like go ahead and talk into that. Like Trev was sitting here, he's like Scott, come here. Like just talk in front of the mic. Like there's no point in us talking to the press if nobody can hear it. <laughs> Record. Like what are you doing? They, I don't know. If, if anything, I think Trev is going to try to impart on him a little more just general professionalism, right? I, I think if you were to boil down Scott's reaction slash behavior, just wasn't very professional. It wasn't very leader-like. Was it? It was like, odd. did that strike you? Did that strike you as like the leader of the team, you know? No, it, it struck me as somebody that, uh, was extremely uncomfortable either due to the 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 charges levied in the article or somebody who didn't like being told what to do. It really didn't. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it was either of those though. I really don't. I, I think it might have been just like dude was literally caught flat footed, like he was at practice. Story broke. He may not have even known, right? Because he's coaching and not on his phone, correct? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Trev's and he's like, oh, hey, Trev, what's going on? Wait, what are we doing? What's Trev, yeah, and, Ron- I, I, what, what's Trev and Ronnie doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? What are you guys, what happened? Yeah, the story broke, Scott, and uh, we got to go talk to the media. Like, oh, oh. And then maybe Scott's sitting there wondering, like, is he firing me right now? Like, what? What's going on? No. no, I don't think he was thinking that. But I think it was just awkward all around, and uh, that can't happen. That did not look good. When you saw when you saw him later, when you saw Scott address it later, though, I I truly do not get the sense from either of those two, from Trev or from Scott, that look they know it's a big deal because it's embarrassing and all. That, but I I don't think they feel like the hammer is coming down. You know what I mean? Like I I just think that they're like. This will pass. Yep, we'll it deal sucks with right it. now. Let's... It's embarrassing, but it's not that big a deal. No, totally agree. When it comes to, to this season, Cranach, as we're a week out, we'll have the rewind coming up with Bill Dolman as Bill went off on the Brett McMurphy article in scorched earth legendary fashion. Uh, interested to, to get your, your excitement level. Zero is eh, and, and 10 is all right, sweet. Nebraska's playing in a New Year's Day bowl. Are you at a five? Are you at a four? Or are you at a three? What number are you at? And I'll tell you this. I think the, the rest, I think there's there's a lot of Nebraska fans that are, are just truly geeked up for the season to get here. It's been a long off season, And they're excited to see, you know, what type of, of performance this team can put forth. And, and once they go out and play, a dare I say, a clean game against Illinois, and maybe put the hammer on somebody because you're more talented, then I think that bandwagon will overfloweth. All right, I think, I think it's, I, I think folks are on the bandwagon. I think some some people are holding the door open to get back on the bandwagon. 
But until you see a really good effort and a convincing win, I think folks are just with it. Yeah, they're glad football's here. They're anxious to see how the season unfolds. But they are, I don't want to say their interest is waning, but they're they're hesitant to, to invest. Yeah, it's I and it's been like that for a bit, right? <laughs> I I think. And does this season it, feel more muted muted than any you can remember or not? A little bit. I think that's I think that's fair. It's going to come at you fast. Oh, well blanking it, it will be November. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to come at you fast and you know, I, yeah, I would say it's a little bit less of a there's a I don't know. Yeah, there there is a decided lack of hype, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the best way to put it. Just it's it's not. I don't know. I I don't feel people as hyped. I think there's still some uneasiness out there with the Delta variant, mm-hmm. and and kind of like people just being like, oh god, stuff's going to get canceled, or they're going to not allow full stadiums, or they're going to you know right? Like, I think there's just general hesitancy. Period. And I think that I don't know. I don't feel like the team is like that in any way, though. I feel like the team is as steely-eyed as I've seen them in a while. Right? They, 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 there is a different demeanor about them. Will it matter? Will, will, will that prevent them from fumbling four times a game? I, I don't know that. But I, but I do know, after seeing them in person... Um, at fan day and all that, they, I'm telling you, they look different than they have in a while. They really do. Like across the board, you just you just don't see a position group where you're like, eesh. Everybody looks ready. And then when you couple that with some of the stuff you've been hearing from all the one million podcasts that are out there now, thanks to NIL, um, I, I heard something from, I believe it was Stilly. Okay talking about how and I, I just had not heard this from a player in so long but he said something along the lines of and I believe he was talking to talking about Ty Robinson or maybe no it was I think it was um, uh, Jordan Riley mm-hmm. he, he it was quick he said but he said something along the lines of he's like yeah and I really challenged him on that and I really held him to account for that for dropping some weight and getting into shape and I was just like okay I, I'm not sure I've heard that in a while, but it, and it's something that the coaches have said too, where it's becoming more player led. And it's been a long time since you could say that was the case. Long time since you could say that was the case. Is that across the board? Are they self-regulating, self-policing? If they are, th- those teams are always better. Sure. Period. End of story. Any sport, any level. The player-led teams, especially when they're being led by people that are pretty competent, you, you you give yourself a better chance. It's a different kind of pressure. It's a it's a it's a different kind of accountability that you have, and those teams just play better. And if 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 you're to believe the coaches, they're saying that they're saying, hey, the guys are doing it. They're the ones that are policing it. Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke are the ones in the secondary room making sure nobody gets out of line. Defensive line, it's it's Damian Daniels and Ben Stilley making sure everybody does what they're supposed to do, right? It's Cam Jurgens on the offensive line that's that's making sure nobody's getting out of line. It's Adrian Martinez as the quarterback, makes sure, right? Mm-hmm. It's Samore Torre just walking in here with accolades 
you know, that, that precede his time here. And then his performance on the practice field that has earned the respect that's holding people to account. It's that's happening across the board. If you're to believe them and it, you just haven't heard that in a while. And that, that makes me more bullish about this year than most. Good takes. I think just their overall, to your point, demeanor, but their their mentality has felt like and sounded like there's not been a lot of boisterousness. There's not been a lot of chat or hype or swag. It's been pretty pretty tamed. And it's been workmanlike. That's yep. that's that's kind of been the, the unifying message of keeping their head down, their nose to the grindstone and just kind of working. I mean that that that's yeah. what this season has, this off season, this build up, this spring, this this winter conditioning, this summer, and and now into the fall, it's been physical. It's been pretty gritty. It's been great competition. There's been some development, it, as painful as last year was with some of the sloppiness and the the unknown. They got through last year. It wasn't what everybody wanted in that locker room, but they got through it. And they got through it with some live bullet reps, meaningful snaps, you know, a a bad taste in their mouth after Ohio State, a bad taste in their mouth after, you know, what could have been against Northwestern, against uh, what could have been against Iowa. Absolutely uh, burnt into their skull what happened against Illinois and then Minnesota, right? And, and, And dropped in there the... The, the Penn State win. <laughs> so I think there, there's there's a long memory of some missteps and some some atonement in their minds going into this year. So I, I think there there's a lot of good things that they see. And when we talk about momentum, right, we talk about confidence. I think they've they've done enough together on offense and defense where they can look around and see what what they have and who can all pitch in. And and then to your point about Stilly, right? Saying, look, brother, we're going to need you, and we need you as good as you can be, and you've got a lot of talent. You can play five more snaps and go murder a ball carrier if you're about 20 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. And if they get production from a, from a Daniels and a Riley on the interior – uh, you can you can just fly off the edge. Maybe go get some hurries or some TFLs or some sacks. So pretty good. Eliminate the run game, right? Yes. And, and yes. In most games last year, they showed signs of being that team. Yes. They, right? they, they were they were solid against the run. They could be spectacular against the run in twenty twenty one. A quick timeout. Weekend edition continues. Mark Cranack there at Mark Skurs, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Find us on Twitter. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence on Twitter for Elijah. And uh, we'll rewind it. Bill Dolman uh, pulls the hand grenade pin on the NCAA and Brett McMurphy. The rewind next. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We bring in uh, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. It's Bill Dolman, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Uh, well, kind of an emergency press conference type setting, much like this morning. 
uh, NCAA investigation, uh, a man who knows Nebraska football like no other, has been a part of it, has covered it, has sent with Coach T.O., and obviously, obviously uh, covered Coach Frost. And uh, we say hi to Bill. Bill, it's, it's not Friday. It's Wednesday. And there's a lot of ground to cover. To cover. How are you doing today? Well, I'm a bit of a state of shock, actually, uh, for the first time. And I, I can't remember the last time I, I read a college football article in the Denver Post. So that was somewhat stunning that uh, they actually covered college football. And, of course, it was Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, imagine, imagine that. I, I just can't believe what I read. Well, not that I read, not the story that I read, the fact that I read a college football okay. story in yeah. the Denver Post. We got to get clarity on that, yeah. right? It's almost yeah. like, okay, you can step here, but you can't be out there if you're an analyst. Right. <laughs> Talk to me. Right. Let's, let's just start from, from square one here. Headline, Nebraska football under investigation for NCAA violations. Let, let's start big picture. Where did this originate? Is this an inside job? Is this a disgruntled player? Is this a former analyst? Or I mean, talk to me here and put on your either your tinfoil hat or your Michael Corleone black suit. Okay. Well, first of all, when anybody sees the headline, initially you are probably shocked, gut punched, despondent, disappointed. But then, as the day has gone on, it started to come back to me, the words of the great sports philosopher, uh, Alan Iverson, we talking about practice. Mm. So this, to me, is being blown way out of proportion, just based on what I know and what I have read, like everybody else. Are there deeper roots to this? Sure, there certainly could be. If there are, why didn't Brett McMurphy of the Action Network write more extensively about that. If there's a greater story than what we're hearing, I would think that he would have held on to it and gone as as deep as he could so that something really damning would come out. But the more I read about this, and I've gone through every, you know, website I could find with some sense of respectability, and it just keeps coming back to Nebraska may have had practice, or I mean, sorry, workouts off campus during the pandemic, which the NCAA frowned upon, and that they used, and this is, this is where I got this from the Denver Post, they used, uh, let, me, let me find it, uh, impermissible use of experts. Okay, well, right there, I think Nebraska just needs to run one play from the Illinois game and say, we didn't have any experts. <laughs> when when the Illinois punter is running around 48 yards to pick up 14 um, and looking at our special teams last year, we didn't have any experts as our analysts, um, <laughs> you know. So here's the footage. Here's, the here's some footage of our own. We weren't using an expert illegally because clearly we had none. Exactly. So that guy may have been coming down and talking to Scott or whomever just to get somebody to listen to him when they're going, look, we really don't want to talk to you right now, okay? So, look, I, 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 as, as a, I'm not a journalist. I've never pretended to be one on TV, but I get the biz, okay? I, I get what's kind of going on here. Brett McMurphy is, I believe, on his third or fourth uh, publication in the last, what, three, four, five years, somewhere in that regard. That's not unusual for people to move jobs. But 
He's gone from ESPN to Stadium to, I believe, something else, and now to the Action Network. The Action Network I had not heard of until Darren Ravel, who had been at ESPN and CNBC and landed at the Action Network, which is a sports gambling website, uh, all of a sudden they become somewhat of a, uh, I don't want to say secondary or sisters, you know, type publication to the athletic, but it's, 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 a, it's a growing or it's trying to grow as a sports destination, all right? So what do we do? Let's put something out there on the eve of the college football season and get a big story out of it and get a lot of hits and a lot of clicks and a lot of interest in our website. To me, that's part of the gamble here. The gambit here is that this is an, is, this is a clickbait story and people clicked on it and that's part of the game. I get it. But you read in there in that story, unnamed sources again, unnamed sources again. Okay. Unnamed sources. That has become the go to in nearly every facet of journalism of this generation. Um, the one that, the part of that article that really, really bothers me is where he gets into the Oklahoma stuff. And he says, I reported when sources said to me, and I got back and my story indicated, all of a sudden that became about him. All right? This is not to discount what Nebraska may or may not have done, but this seemed to be something to get some attention directed toward him. When a reporter or somebody, not a columnist, when a reporter starts using I, me, and my, that's a red flag to me. He could have written that paragraph completely differently, but no, he injected himself into the story as part of the story about Nebraska and Oklahoma. Uh, and that's, that's the big problem that I have with this, with this journalistic piece and this era of journalism. It's not about you, but he made it about you. And now he's made it about his publication that's trying to get some clicks. All right, that's the way the game is played these days. Did Nebraska do something wrong? Maybe. Did, did they violate rules when they shouldn't? Possibly. But unless there's something more to the story, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see where this is much more than a 24-hour thing and a headache for Trev and Scott Frost. And, and maybe Scott brought it upon himself. Maybe there's somebody disgruntled out there. That's certainly a possibility. I've been disgruntled about our special teams for a lot longer than that guy's been disgruntled out of a job. <laughs> Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, the source. And do you get the sense or the vibe, Bill, that back to the the North Stadium, is there somebody in North Stadium that doesn't want to see Scott keep doing his thing? You know, you could find somebody in every North Stadium and every school around the country who probably doesn't like the way things are going on. You could call everybody whose name is in the transfer portal and ask them to say something negative about the place they left, and you're bound to find somebody who's going to say something. Uh, so is, is there perhaps, did, uh, did the special teams analysts rub people the wrong way? Maybe. Did uh, Jared Lambrecht, who's no longer there, was, was there an issue there? I don't know. I'm not there on a day-to-day basis. And from what I understand, it may not be the most open uh, society to begin with. But, yeah, th- 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 that could be a-, a possibility anywhere, you know. Uh, but I think you're going to find that with former players at every institution that there is. And sooner or later, somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to leak a video. I mean, uh, 
Lord knows we can go all the way back to Danny Nee and you know having that that famous basketball practice at Mabel Lee Hall with the towels over the windows. Was but, that you know, was that Danny or was that the predecessor? Well, you know what? That might have been that might have been Mo's wife. I don't remember. I, I think it was Mo. Mo had a hell of a long time ago. But okay, so they're practicing when they shouldn't have been, and somebody got maybe that was you know a, a tape recorder that got sneakers squeaking on the floor and a picture of the towel over the door. This happens everywhere, unfortunately. But for this to be, based on what we've read so far, being elevated to some major NCAA investigative scandal, I think is a bit overplayed and a bit ridiculous. And if you go, and I have said this for years now on this show and and anywhere else that people listen, when is something going to happen to Arizona? When is something going to happen to Kansas basketball? Duke, North Carolina, Louisville actually fired Rick Pitino. Sean Miller is out at Arizona. But the college basketball scandal that should have rocked the game was actually started in about 2015, okay? The NCAA has put into place this IARP, Independent Accountability um, Resolution Process. This was supposed to expedite some of the NCAA cases that are out there. From what I understand, this was 2019, they have one of those basketball programs implicated from 2015, 16, 17, and 18. The one has a hearing. Nobody else is talking to anybody else about Kansas or any of that stuff. So I would not expect, if I'm Scott Frost in Nebraska, I'm thinking, we're in trouble for this. Well, I guess uh, give us a call in 2029 because that's the way things move around the NCAA. And who knows if they're going to get in trouble anyway? Baylor just got slapped with a $5,000 fine, right? Mm-hmm. Look at what, you know, Michigan State harbored one of the great felons of all time. Nothing's going to happen to them, right? North Carolina has an entire department of studies with 200 classes available to football, basketball. Oh, by the way, it was available to every other student on campus. They're all bogus classes, but because everybody could take a bogus class, there's no NCAA violation there. So no problem. But based on what we know, Nebraska worked out and tried to stay healthy during a pandemic and hired maybe the worst special teams coordinator in the history of college football. Right now, that's all we know that Nebraska is guilty of. But don't tell me about NCAA processes, adjudication, and coming down hard on somebody because North Carolina, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. Bruce Rasmussen got in trouble. You know, they're a level two violation at at, uh, at Creighton. Bruce Rasmussen is retire, retiring. Roy Williams is retiring. Sean Miller quit. But nobody seems to be getting in trouble with some of the most egregious, egregious violations of NCAA protocol in years, and maybe in college sports history. But Nebraska is in trouble because they had some off-campus workouts. Okay. Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Uh, wanted to get his take on the NCAA investigation for violations. Let's talk bigger picture. Does Nebraska move this thing along quicker for resolution so it doesn't continue to hang over and preemptively fine Coach Frost, fine somebody or do they do they ask for a half suspension, a game suspension? Does Frosty get to watch the uh, the, the Fordham game at his lake house? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what do you, what what do you do next if you're Trev Alberts, other than 
A, be accountable, which he was. He showed up. Now, that wasn't the finest moment uh, between Frosty and, and, and Trev, and I'm not trying to make too much out of it, but Scott looked like he was getting hauled into the principal's office where he just shot your window out with a BB gun. <laughs> well, kudos to Trev Alberts for getting out there um, and, and, you know, saying something. And, and I, I appreciate that. I respect that and, and expected really nothing less of Trev. Um, he didn't hide. Now he hid behind, uh, we're in an investigation and we can't say anything. Well, that's what you should say, but at least he went out there and put a face to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scott didn't look like he wanted to be there. Uh, I, I can understand why, you know, one of the, you know, the preemptive strikes, you always hear about self-imposed penalties and then the NCA will tax something else. Oh, okay. Well, you, you, two weeks of no official visits. Uh, okay. Thanks. You know, um, and does, does Scott have to – I could see where Nebraska might say, all right, Scott, I know, you know, the Fordham rivalry is important to all of us at Nebraska, and it goes back literally weeks. Um, maybe maybe we may sit this one out, okay? Uh, I, I don't know. I, but I could see where Nebraska says, look, some of the people who were involved in this are no longer here, all right? Mm-hmm. Bill Moose, for whatever Bill Moose – may have done or may not have done or may have approved or may not have approved, Bill Moose isn't around anymore. And I would assume that when Nebraska gave him uh, $3, or $3 million in singles and 20s, then maybe they wrapped him in a note that said, uh, go no away comment. quietly. No right. comment, ever. Uh, you know, same with uh, Jared Lambrick. And I don't know if Jared Lambrick is guilty of anything, mm-hmm. right? But the people who are around to organize and to approve are not around any longer. All right? So they're not within the program. We've got we got the message, and yeah, Scott and Larry the Cable Guy are going to hang out and tell jokes and watch the game from Pawnee City. How's that? We good? Okay, thanks, Bill. That's is, a, that's a script. I love it. Yeah, you know, this, this kind of reminds me of you know 1986. Hang on, I believe hang, it was on hang on. I've got a minute. Can I get five more minutes with you? Yeah, I I, I got the Winter Olympics coming up in February, so I got some time. Okay, Bill. Uh, to touch on 1986, you, you had an eloquent story about picking up bottles and people for Devaney <laughs> just last Friday. I mean, and then who'd have thought there'd be foreshadowing? Uh, what's the NCAA drink this this uh, in, in 2021? What they drink in '86? Well, back in '86, I'm sure it was the Doers are better. Now I think it's probably soy milk, but uh, <laughs> you know, I. I was running the end street back then. I'd probably be going to natural grocers now. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, you know, I'm sure the hell of a lot more fun back then. You know, I, I think this, this is very, it's just very similar. It was on the eve of now that was State. <laughs> literally like 24 hours before we were supposed to play Florida state when this whole player ticket thing, um, you know, kind of blew up and certainly drew a lot of attention to, you know, the season opener to the college football season uh, week one, not week zero, whatever that means, um, you know. And so Bob and Walt Byers got it all hammered out in, uh, or got hammered out in their, you know, in their meeting, and everything was fine. And we played and kicked off the season and won, and everything was great. And they kind of changed their policies after that, as I recall. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, somewhat similar. Uh, it, it this again, I, I I get Nebraska may have done something it should not have done. But when you're starting to lump it in with, you know, level one, level two, level three violations, you know, level one violation is violating the integrity of the NCAA. 
That's in there. That's severe. That's the severe uh, uh, violation. Violating the integrity of the NCAA. Okay, I'm going to go back to 2015, 16, 17, and 18 with all of these college basketball programs, and nothing has happened to anybody except a couple of coaches got fired, right? Bill Self, I love Bill Self. Great guy, great coach. But nothing has happened to Kansas basketball. But their football program under David Beatty sure is in a hell of a lot of trouble right now for having some extra practices when they sucked. You know, the NCAA should have said, you guys can practice all you want. You know, then they hire less miles. You know, LSU's got a problem down there, but that doesn't, nobody seems to be expediting that investigation. But Nebraska may have had a few practices, few workouts last year when they wanted to play and nobody else wanted to play. Mm. Again, I, I just, it, it's beyond me to lump Nebraska, to start talking about level one level two, level three. If there's more, then bring it out. And I'll be the first to say that's a level one. But right now, working out, it just seems to be a bit over the top to start thinking it's a level one, violating the integrity of the NCAA. Level two is a significant violation. And level three is like gaining, may may or may not have gained, I believe that's the wording, may or may not have gained a negligible advantage over opponents based on the violation. Well, based on a punter from Illinois running around for 48 yards on fourth down to 14, I would say Nebraska gained a negligible advantage on whatever it is that they're accused of doing. Three and five was was not an advantage. That's what I would say. Last thought here, Bill. And so we've got Scott Frost. We've got year four. We've got the Illinois buildup. You've got that game as a launching point. You've got this cloud over it. Can we touch on just Scott's time here and this Nebraska on the field, but also the the attention to the program off of it? And Nebraska just nationally has been treated like a bit of a pinata through the, some of their own doing, through some folks that just want to get in there on Nebraska. The other side of it, too, is you've not done enough on, on field to kind of back your swag, at least the way you swaggered on in. And this, I didn't know that, that Illinois could get any more critical, but it sure as hell feels like it after this morning. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, it's, it, it comes with the job. You know, Scott's the guy. He's the face of the program. He's the shoulders of the program. So he's got to carry all that. Uh, Are his shoulders but, getting tired? Well, I would bet that, you know, to a certain extent, and this is just one more thing, because, you know, when you, when you read, and you're to there closer, I'm, I'm watching this from 500 miles away, but I, I'm in tune to what's going on at practice the best I can, and it, it, there just does seem to be a better vibe until today about this program. You know, Adrian Martinez looks good. The offensive line, there's depth. The receivers are big, and they can catch, and you've got a decent stable of running backs. The defense, you know, is a solid defensive line. You've got experience. The secondary might be one of the best groups in the entire country. So there's a lot of reasons to feel good about uh, about Nebraska football, and it does seem, you know, that the fall camp has gone well, that there is a good vibe until today. So this probably feels like a gut punch. Now, did he know? Well, probably that this was going on. I'm sure he did, but didn't think it was going to blow up like it did today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Scott's Scott's got the program. It is his, he's got the keys. But you know, 
he's not the one that fumbles. He's not the one that throws bad passes. He's not the one that, you know, doesn't tackle hard. He's not the one that misses blocks. Players still have to execute. You know, coaches have to coach well. Everything's got to be organized. It, you know, there's a whole team aspect to this. And everybody collectively has to, you know, rally around. And I think that this is a, a rallying point for those who are in the program, for those who follow the program, like all of us. And, and you've got to say, this is, a, this is our team, all right? We're going to go forward together. And I don't want to lump this in with, you know, what happened uh, in 1995, but I do remember prior to the Arizona State game that there was this, you know, collective, you know, team, there was this team meeting. And those guys said, we are not going to be the ones who bring that man down. That was Christian and Jason and Aaron and all those guys talking about Coach Osborne. You know, this is a moment where this program needs to rally around Scott, the coaches, the athletic director, and the direction that they want to go, that everything that they've worked for. I mean, the players have to take accountability for what they have worked for to get to this point and say, I'm not going to have wasted my time the last nine months getting ready for this to just let it all go away because some guy wrote a story. It's time to rally around and play for each other and play for those who are still behind us and go forward and, and beat Illinois. Because if they give a, you know, a half-assed effort against Illinois and you see what happened last year mm-hmm. uh, you know, against Illinois, uh, it is going to pretend for some probably pretty bad things. Uh, so, yeah, I agree it's an important game. Um, but it's, it's an important game for a lot of reasons, not just to win, but for the, the psyche and the culture of the program uh, going forward for everybody. Perception has is, is been really rough right now. You've got this perception about Nebraska on the field, now off the field, and a chance to, to kind of change that view a little bit. Last thought here on McMurphy, Bill Dolman's with us. Brett McMurphy's kind of been the angel of death for some college football programs. Ohio State, Urban Meyer, and I remember McMurphy in front of me and in front of Urban at Media Days walking up and, and asking the, the, the question about Coach Smith as wide receivers coach. And then that turned into, well, Urban's suspended and then Urban's gone, right? Mm-hmm. You have Tennessee, they're ready to hire Shiano. Uh, somebody got to McMurphy and, well, Shiano is part of Penn State staff, you know. What went on with his knowledge or lack of knowledge with the whole Sandusky thing, and all of a sudden Shiano can't go to Tennessee. Their AD gets whacked. Now you go to Nebraska, and, yeah, the on its face, are you practicing during a pandemic? Are you putting health and safety in some people's eyes at risk? Uh, that'll be something to, to answer for, and then, you know what are you what are you doing or, or not doing? Are you policing your your analysts? You can have analysts, but what what's their role? What's their and and to your point, there's a thousand basketball programs it feels like, and some football programs that are still waiting for uh, for their punishment, and it's and it's not happened. So I just hope Nebraska doesn't get moved up in the line here, uh, and and then this turns a really tough season already into uh, an un undoable season because of what's going on off the field. Yeah, I, I, I could see Nebraska doing something preemptively. And again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, some of the principals who were involved in this are no longer in the program for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I'm sure Trav and Scott may have a, a long talk, and I know Scott's got legal representation for whatever reason. Does that weird you it. out? Uh, no, not really. Um, just just given, you know, the, the NCAA. It, yeah, well, whatever. It, just, it, it doesn't really surprise me these days that, you know, people don't lawyer up whenever, you know, there's something untoward coming your way. Um, but, you know, the, the Brett McMurphy thing, it, it just seems to be a look at me, watch this, and and draw an attention to yourself. When, when you become part of the story, which, again, the that Oklahoma, little, little Oklahoma paragraph in the story today really kind of tells me all I, all I needed to know, that it, this wasn't necessarily a story about Nebraska um, being investigated. It's a story about Breck McMurphy reporting that Nebraska is being investigated, and that should not be uh, that should not be part of it. You're the reporter, but when all of a sudden it's I, me, and my, mm. that becomes about you, and that's not that's not the job of anybody to me in the media, unless you're a columnist uh, and you're a great one like Tom Chattel. But when you're reporting the story and trying to get clicks for a, a news outlet that's trying to be uh, competitive with the athletic and others that are already out there and established, and you're in the genre of the, you know, the era of sports gaming, which is, you know, completely blown wide open in the last year. You know, he, he's doing what his bosses wanted him to do, and he's doing what his ego wanted him to do. And that's just the way it is, and unfortunately that's the way journalism is these days. Bill Dolman with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D. will talk Friday. Thanks for jumping in on a, a pretty interesting day around Nebraska football, bud. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry I didn't have an opinion for you. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Good stuff. Bill, take care. We'll check in next uh, later in the week. Go Big Red. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts. Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour 2 weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal, we welcome in managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us to get us uh, kicked off uh, the second half here of the show here a week away. Vogues, uh, is, is there a clock in your office or den that, that, that started after the national championship game that's been ticking down? Do we have a... Independence Day type little countdown going on for you? No, no official clock, though. That's a pretty good idea. I just rely on the internal clock. It's (laughs) it's a little haywire haywire this year because uh, my body clock says we should have another week, but uh, that's okay. I'll take take week zero football. So I got to ask you about Junior. Who has reached out to him on behalf of of NIL companies? (laughs) Nobody yet. Uh, unfortunately, we're still uh, waiting for those offers to to roll in. But I'm sure any day now he's he's starting to be able to hold his head up pretty consistently. So I think that's really going to turn the tide. Brandon Vogel is with us on on Hale Varsity Radio. We were listening to Bill Dolman in the in the rewind last segment, 
And he he didn't pull any punches about the misgivings he has about Brett McMurphy kind of crossing a journalistic line by including I in what is supposed to be a report and kind of drawing that distinction of a journalist reporter versus a columnist and how that piece itself kind of violated journalism tenets in some way. As a managing editor for Hale Varsity in charge of journalists and a columnist yourself, what is your take on sort of the quality of that report and I guess the seriousness of the allegations being made? Um, I didn't have any issue with the the quality of the report. I mean, I think in a in a straight news story in general, uh, we usually try to keep things third person um, and not blur those lines. But I will say that you know sports writing's changed quite a bit in the past ten fifteen years, and that's those lines get blurred all the time. I think the inclusion of kind of the Oklahoma portion of that report was adding context, but also kind of fleshing it out. I mean, you know, and this isn't bad. Like we, you know, occasionally the news is just what the news is and we'll put up 300, 400 words on, on Hale Varsity. That seemed like a way to kind of recap and, and uh, make that report a little bit longer. And I didn't, it didn't stick out to me as anything that serious. Um, The seriousness of the allegations uh, also, this is the part that's a little bit strange to me as I've had some, some time to sit with it is I, I don't know yet why this got to the level of NCA infractions. Like, okay, let's assume for the sake of argument that, you know, Nebraska was improperly using um, an analyst. You could probably drop in on most power five teams and find that being the case at, at any practice at any given moment, you got caught like, this seems like the sort of thing that you could self-report and, you know, you're like, okay, well, here's your, here's your fine. Here's what you got to do. And, and it's, it's kind of that. Um, so the fact that it even got to uh, this kind of level surprises me a little bit when Trev Albert said he wasn't aware of it at the time that he was hired. That makes me curious as to, to why that was the case. So the, the infraction itself it is what it is. Like we all know, you know, where that kind of falls in the pecking order. There's just a couple of like unanswered questions around it that, that give me a little bit of pause. Brandon Vogel's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You know, I really appreciate, you know, Trev Wednesday kind of going in front of everybody and saying, here's what's going on. You know, what, what did Wednesday say to you? Uh, in its entirety with AD and with Coach. You had negative attention. You had a good look by Trev and an awkward look by Frost. But, you know, football looms, and, and he, I think he just wants to coach ball, but he was, you know, kind of hauled up in front of everybody as well. What, what did you, you know, as we look back, what did you make of it? Are you, are you, you, you you're parsing body language or are you just, have you moved on? Um, I mean, I, I, I typically don't really spend a ton of time parsing body language, but it was pretty much impossible to miss during those those four minutes on Wednesday. Uh, what, what that said to me was anybody can get up at their introductory press conference and talk about 
being transparent and being accountable and prizing both of those values. Wednesday was Trev Alberts just a month on the job showing that that wasn't just something you say at the introductory press conference. That's, that's what that was to me. And it was pretty clear that of the two people at the microphone, one of them thought they needed to be there and one wished they didn't have to be. And that was pretty apparent, I think, if you watched the, the video from that. So that's what it was to me. Um, it kind of, I mean, we'll see, we'll see where things go from here. It felt a little bit like a potential transition moment for this kind of future of this program and athletic department overall. Um, because in the past, I don't know that that sort of thing, as strange as it was for everybody, would have happened. What do you mean by that, by, by it being a potential uh, transitional moment, J- just in terms of Trev cementing his authority type thing? Yes. For me, there's little question of, um, well, I mean, there's little question of who, who runs the athletic department, and there's a little question of sort of the flow chart beyond that, you know, <laughs> for all sports. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, when you really dig down deep on this, I mean, the the, the consensus around the 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 state has been well this isn't that big of a deal like you even said it about five minutes ago like there's probably most of the power five schools in the country that have been doing this as well so why do you think it's become such a big story is it just a a chance to kick nebraska while they're down is that what it is is it nebraska still gets the clicks for these national media people i just don't understand why this has become such a big story whenever a similar story came out from michigan and uh it, it did not get the same kind of draw this nebraska story got uh, I think it's because Nebraska football on on various fronts has looked like a mess, and here was more mess. And for me, it's really as simple as that. Um, and I, you know, I know I understand some people kind of interpret that as people piling on Nebraska or kicking Nebraska, but it was just, and the timing of it was was less than ideal um, about as far from ideal as you can get because 2021 on the football field for Nebraska, like, I think we all sensed it and we all kind of knew it at, after the end of last season. It's like, Oh man, it's, it's like full on prove it mode. Like you, you kind of had the standard, like build up to, to a new season where optimism kind of comes trickling in and, you know, you, you, you try to inoculate yourself against it a little bit if you you want to be kind of fair and balanced, but it just, it seeps in. You're like, okay, well, you know, if, if it turns out that these three receivers are just as good or better as any of the receivers they've had over the past five years and this and this and this, you start thinking about all the ways that, oh, hey, there's, there could be something here. And I see those things too. I, I really do. Um, this, with the way that it came out and when it came out, I feel like it dead-ended the momentum for that a little bit, and it just kind of cast a little bit of a cloud over over the start of the season. And now, you know, Nebraska comes out up 21-7 to at the end of the first quarter next Saturday. It'll, those clouds will clear pretty quickly, I think. Um, but if they don't, um, they're going to hang around. That's That's been my impression. It felt like it halted momentum a little bit for – 
at fall camp that I know we've talked about it plenty. I know we've talked to other people plenty. Like everyone seemed to feel like, okay, this feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit more business-like. Vogues, I think you're right. And I think you can still have that, that business-like feel. And, and I totally agree with you, but with, with that, that sentiment, and, and I think you nailed it. What, what kind of weather front are you leaving Champaign with, right? Is it, is it sunny skies and, 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 and clear driving? Or are you driving into a storm <laughs> uh, on top of this embarrassment with the NCAA? I want to go back to the optimism as it trickled in because folks are starting to get cranked up. You know, it was two weeks ago, now it's a week, and, and now the countdown's on. It's, it's game week here. You get ready for, for the Illini. You know, if you had to circle one, one item with this football team, what, what kind of fuels that optimism on that side of the aisle here? What, what's, the, what's the one or two things that you're, man, you're excited to see for this team? Yeah, um, I guess I'll start on the on, on the defensive side. You know, it's it's really tough to like if you're one of the best run defenses in the Big Ten. Almost by by definition, you're one of the best run defenses in the country. It's just that kind of league. And, and Nebraska, once you take out uh, sacks from the total, give up 4.6 yards per rush, which may sound like a lot, but you know, I think it was 45th or somewhere around there. Uh, in terms of where they ranked nationally. And up at the top, you had Iowa and Wisconsin. But, oh, by the way, Bob Diaco and Purdue also had one of the lowest uh, yards per rush averages. Now, teams didn't didn't run it a whole lot against Purdue. Didn't have to. (laughs) Um, So, slight caveat there. But you start looking at that. I mean, Purdue was at 3.6 yards per rush. Could Nebraska get there with all of the the talent it has returning? and just where it's kind of starting from, quote-unquote, from, from 2020, yeah, I think it could get close. I think it could be top four or five in the Big Ten, and that's, that's not a small feat. So if you can do that, if you can stop the run, over on the offensive side, there's, they do not have the profile of returning experience that makes you think, oh, a, a jump is somewhat inevitable. But – it's also really hard to only average 23 points a game in today's football. Like, so I, I think Nebraska is going to find a way to score more points. It's a little bit of a mystery to me how that happens. I mean, the easiest way is they get more big plays out of the passing game, and, and that kind of fuels things. The, more, the most likely way, I think, is if the offensive line gets really close to its ceiling, because then you're looking at, you know, Nebraska being really good on both lines. And we all know that that's kind of fundamental to playing winning football. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You're right about returning production. The the thing that I think um, is pretty unique about Nebraska, though, is it, even though you don't have a lot of proven production for Nebraska, you got Marquis Step in the backfield who's who's a veteran and he has gotten it done at USC. You got Samori Torre who's you know thousand plus yard guy um, at the one double A level. You got Omar Manning who I think this is his fourth year <laughs> of of college football. You have Oliver Martin who's played um, snaps at two other Big Ten programs. So 
You're, it's not like you're rolling in with a bunch of fresh-faced newbies that have never done it. They're not stiffs, Cranach. Right, like right, and and so. With that being said, that's got to put Nebraska in one of the more u- unique positions uh, out there, right? I mean, and and that alone would seem to indicate that you're probably going to be okay through the air as long as Martinez can get it there. And I guess that's the caveat. Yeah, and the receivers are really the key piece to that for me. I mean, running backs too. Like if Nebraska – if Nebraska has a running back amongst this group who, you know, looks like a top half of the Big Ten running back, I mean, that's obviously a great development, but kind of the defining trait that still hangs with me from 2020 is just how conservative Nebraska was in the passing game. The You know, it never landed on kind of, okay, these are our top three receivers. We may only have three. But these are our top three. You know, it was kind of constantly shuffling guys in and out for various reasons that weren't solely pandemic-related. Um, so so I, I, I agree with you. And, I mean, this is one of those situations where is, is returning 95% of production from an offense that averaged 23 points a game the best thing? And, and it may not be. I mean, it would, still, it would still make it much more likely that Nebraska was going to progress. But when you talk about some of those things, about the experience of – a player like Toure or Step or Omar Manning, how much he's been at this level, at least, even if the game experience at this level hasn't been there yet. Yeah, when I look at this offense, I don't, I probably don't look at them as starting from the 23 points a game they averaged last year. I probably would put them closer to 27, 28, which is about average. So if that's a realistic starting point based on some of these factors, then it becomes, well, can you get up to 32-33? Because you do that in the Big Ten, and the wins come. I'm with you. 30-plus points per game, especially with a, with a Scott Frost offense, is what you got to think that this offense's goal has got to be. Um, but when you look on the other side of the ball, defense, what's a, what's a realistic points-per-game number from that defense? I mean, they were somewhat stingy last season. Uh, the Illinois game was a bit of a, a, bit of a, a stat killer when you look at the points-per-game numbers. Um, so just where do you think that that defense needs to be shooting for and, and how many points they're, uh, they're allowing the other team to score per game? Yeah, so they've basically been, minus last year, at about the same spot the offense has been. You know, the last three years, both the offense and defense have been right around 28, 30 points a game, um, which with this defense, the, the, the question I have with it is, like, how much lower is it designed to go? Because we know it's supposed to be paired with, with an offense that, that can do that. Um, you know, for this, I think if Nebraska's defense, given all the experience they have, if they get down to around the 25-point-per-game mark, that would be pretty good. And that might sound pretty high, but you look at the teams that give up 20, 21, 22 points, it's Northwestern, it's Iowa, it's Wisconsin. They play, they play a different style of football. Ohio State, I think, gave up almost 26 points a game last year. And now, now, granted, it wasn't a great Ohio State defense, and the 2019 one certainly was. But when Ohio State's averaging 40 points a game, who cares? 26 is fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that sliding scale that Nebraska has been. Both the offense and defense have been on a collision course the past three years, and you just you, you've got to build a gap there. 
Bogues, to your point about 28 a game, you, you, you put a 28 next to your point total a year ago for Nebraska. You, you, you beat Northwestern 28-21, easier said than done against their defense a season ago. You put a 28 next to the score. You beat Iowa 28-26. Uh, you put a 28 next to Nebraska's score against Minnesota. You win that game 28-24. To your point, you get four touchdowns on the board in Big Ten play. You're pretty good. You score 28 against the Illini and take 17 points off of turnovers. I mean, right, when we talk about what 2021 can be about you know, less sloppy, more clean. Um, you're, you're right on it. Real quick, Vogues, uh, a thought on Husker volleyball as Coach Cook is gearing up for another title run. Yeah, so uh, Red Right scrimmage tonight, which uh, contains probably as much intrigue as uh, any I can remember recently, just because we're, we're going to see the dream team in, in uh, red or white, I guess, uh, see some of those freshmen play. Uh, Jacob Padilla will be there for us, of course, providing coverage. Uh, has a good story going up here on the website in just a little bit um, about the libero position, which I think is one of the, the key key position battles there. Coach Cook had some pretty effusive things to say about Lexi Rodriguez, their, their freshman libero. He's been on campus since January. And, of course, Nebraska returns uh, Kenzie Knuckles at that spot, too. So that'll be an interesting one to watch, but yeah, it's all about the chance to to see some of these freshmen we've heard so much about for, you know, almost 18 months now. And then, hey, quickly too, Brandon, they're, they're moving. It sounds like Lexi is moving to the right. Is that right? She's going to be on the Possibly. right? Possibly. I think, I think they're, try, they're trying, trying her out there, um, which, you know, simply because uh, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of Talent, yeah. uh, talented potential options at hitters, so they can get a little bit, a little bit mix and match. Do you think? Do you think it's Battenhorse or Kraus? One of the freshmen is going to have to play. One of those freshman hitters for sure is going to have to play a lot, just numbers wise. It just seems obvious. Do you think that's Kraus or Battenhorse? I honestly don't know at this point. Uh, part of why I'm intrigued to see what happens tonight. You know, both of them were, were players that. Made the uh, made the under twenty U.S. national team, so you know the talent level is pretty high. I might make uh, might make uh, Lindsay just a tiny favorite in that, um, but we'll see. It'll be a good battle. They'll both play this year, um, I think. But who gets kind of one of those starting spots that's available? It'll be interesting. Vogues, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll get it cranked up next week, bud. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Uh, it's almost Iron Horse time. Gary Sharp's on the way. It's Hail Varsity Weekend Edition presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranick. Thanks for your time. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, give us the countdown. Well, where has the summer gone, first of all? Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, this time next week, we are going to be fretting about what is to happen in a one-game season. But it's, it's finally here, and is there, is, we've talked all off-season 
is there another program in America that needs to play a football game, and especially right now more than Nebraska? No is the answer. Move kickoff up to today, right? I mean, but to your point about a one-game season, you don't uh, you don't throw out hype. You don't go hyperbole. You're you're measured. But it, next Saturday is that important to you? Yes, I, I think for the team, the fan base, so you don't get the the sky is falling. And you've put a lot into that game and a lot into your offseason to change the narrative. I, I don't care how it looks. You have, to get, you have to go there and get back on the plane and come home, and you have to have a victory. Um, it just, that's, it's that important. I mean, it's one of the more important games that Nebraska football has played in a long time. And if you're going to change people's opinion on where you're going, after you've had a really solid on-the-field uh, camp, you go in and you win a football game against a division opponent in a Big Ten game, a season opener, and a road game. Some things that have eluded you. Uh, and I'm okay with Nebraska putting a lot of stock in this game. i said it numerous times. I would have said it last year if we wouldn't have had COVID and you were playing Purdue. It's, it's that important. And I think in this case for Nebraska, for what it means, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm okay with them embracing and talking about it openly about the importance of just one game. I know you're not supposed to do it around here. But things are changed, and Nebraska needs to win the football game a week from today. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. When you look at the trench matchup in particular for this game, especially when it comes this early in, in Brett Bielema's ten, tenor, tenure, it looks like offensive line for Illinois. They've got a couple transfers, like one guy's from Colgate who was pretty good. They got another transfer. Generally speaking, they're a pretty young line with a uh, pretty inexperienced line, very little cohesion at least. Um, and then they have one NFL guy and one potential NFL guy. And then defensive line, a lot of newcomers and a converted offensive lineman. Like yeah. if you just look at that alone, Nebraska seems like they have a clear advantage on both lines. Do you think that will actually show in the game though? Well, I think it will. I think if if you're going into a scenario like this, don't you guys agree that wouldn't at the beginning of the year you'd rather have the known being on defense and you can say, all right, I, I pretty much feel like the defense can do this. I think Nebraska also playing kind of the great unknown with Bielema and some new coordinators on what their game plan is going to be because he doesn't know what he's going to get out of certain guys. I think it's better to catch this team earlier in the year than later in the year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. If they jump up and bite somebody later in the year, I still look at Illinois and I say, well, that's a, a four or five win team. But on the other side of the ball, defensively, you know, they're now in a scheme that is probably better suited to guys they have on the roster. It, it's the great unknown. And that's why another part of the element of you want to change the narrative, let's see how much growth there has been. What do you do on Saturday when things go off script? When you are planning for something you think Bielema has done in the past at Wisconsin or Arkansas, or some of his coordinators have done, and all of a sudden they don't do it, how do you adjust during the game? On the defensive side of the football with the veterans over there where they kind of know that defense and all the checks and the recognized stuff like the back of their hand, I feel better on that side of the football. But when you're on defense, I think Nebraska has to hit them in the mouth right away, guys. I don't think they can dance with Illinois. You remember the game a couple years ago when Nebraska went in there when Adrian Martinez and Wandale Robinson saved Nebraska. They danced with Illinois for essentially four quarters. You can't do that. I think Saturday... A week from the day, you got to come out and punch him in the mouth right away. What do you feel like with Nebraska, as experienced as this team is, do you worry about 
the adversity. Say, as much as you've talked about taking care of the football, <laughs> say there's a fumble. Say, say you're down 7 nothing. Obviously, you got to get out and, and try and get up. But say that doesn't happen. Uh, does this team buckle under adversity or – does it just make it, uh, you know, a little, a little sweatier for the fan base? Do, do, you, do you have faith in their mental uh, stability? Well, I wish, I wish immediately, Schmitty, I could say yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another great unknown. We don't know. I would be disappointed if they folded again. But we've seen it when Nebraska falls behind in games. It's a struggle to get back to even and to take the lead. And that's why I think it's so important for Nebraska to get off to a quick start. Come out and kind of go guns a-blazing on both sides of the football to get yourself a little comfort level. Now, we can say that, and the game unfolds, and strange things happen, but I would be really disappointed if this team that has talked about battling adversity and taking care of the little things, if one little thing derailed them. Um, That's why I don't think the stuff that happened earlier in the week is a distraction to players. I think they're pretty focused, but we've got to see it first. But I would like them in this game to be faced a little bit with some adversity. You know, to, to be challenged and have to adjust. Because then we'll get more of a sense of where this team's going. Instead of rolling in there and just blowing a team out by 50, I'd like to see a little bit of a struggle early on in the game. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's let's break down. Do you think Trev Alberts is going to want to break down film with Scott about body language and posture and demeanor <laughs> during impromptu press conference settings? And if he was going to hold a film session... <laughs> Where would the laser pointer go, and what would he suggest Scott do differently next time to execute those a little better? Well, didn't it? I said it right away. We, we've all been there as young kids or, or you guys as parents. When, you have to, when you're hauled by dad in front of somebody to apologize, <laughs> that's kind of what it looked like. Um, I thought it was a united front. I think it was pretty important for 15 minutes after they put out a two-sentence release to say, the AD and the football coach, we might not be able to answer everything, but we're going to get in front of a camera and we're going to get in front of this, and we're going to address this as much as we can. Uh, I, and, and we're not doing it as you're the football coach and you're out there by yourself. We're going to do it together. That's a united front. I really like that. Um, I think Scott was uncomfortable. You know, guys, this is the first time that he really has somebody that is an athletic director, especially at Nebraska. I mean, this is only a second. It's going to say, we're going to be held accountable. We're in this together. It's not me against you. We're doing it as we. Um, but, you know, I, I know it didn't look great, and I don't want to sift through you know, how Scott looked. I think he's pretty defiant. I think he's pretty stubborn. I think he, he still probably doesn't believe that he was in the wrong and wants to explain more. Maybe he should not have fully explained some things, um, but I think, I think that's going to become the norm. I, that's, what, that's kind of Trev's MO, guys. He does that kind of stuff, and um, you know, he, he wants to be in front of things. So we'll, we'll see what the next one is if Scott knows where to stand in the right spot. Gary Sharp's with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, we're what, a month and a half here into uh, to Trev's tenure as athletic director? Uh, oh, no, about a month. So just how would you rate his first month as AD uh, with, you know, uh, well, I guess if we're given the analogy of, uh, of, of a parent and a kid, uh, let, let's go to the school analogy. From an F to an A, how do you rate Trev Albert's first month? Well, I know early on, guys, he used the word swamped as he was trying to get, you know, everything in line and try and figure everything out. I think he's had a really good start. He has said the right things. He has listened well. He's addressed things. 
he's kind of he's kind of told you that he's in it for Nebraska, and we're not going to be out of the wild wild west. We're going to do things very calculated. We're going to do them with a purpose, um, and I really like that in what he has shown. Um, and, and that's who he is. I mean, I, guys, if you think about things that Nebraska's had to undertake in the last in the first month, uh, Trev is the perfect person for what they've had to do. He's he's uh, comfortable. He's very comfortable in front of the camera. He's a good communicator. Looks you in the eye. He's accessible. He says the right things, and he's backing what he's saying. Case in point on Wednesday, Sharpie. I want to. I want to go to on field here as we preview Nebraska twenty twenty one real quick. Are you confident? Are you buying that 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 this year's offense can be different? Will be different when it comes to to Adrian's supporting cast. Uh, we know the names. We know the depth. We know the line. We know the the skill guys at wide out. There are options at running back. But do you feel like if you're to predict, does does 2021 look a lot more like 2018 for an Adrian Martinez with who he can go to? You would love to say yes. I, I think you know there's more skill talent guys around him. I think there's a trust factor. Okay. He's got a guy that can turn to and hand the ball off that he trusts. He's got guys that he trusts will make a catch even if he's off the mark. Um, but it all still comes back to Adrian. It's can can Adrian can he eliminate the highs highs and the lows lows and can he just be kind of right along the line? You know, not a ton of peaks, not a ton of uh, bottoming out. Can he do that? Because I don't think he needs to be Superman. I think maybe in 2018, in the transition to 2019, we said he's going to be Superman. In this offense, it appears with the the of skill guys, he doesn't need to be Superman except for a couple of times a game or a couple of times a year where we go, yeah, that's the Adrian. It's, that's why, you know, I, I know that as we get closer, people, get, people will say, well, I'm not really excited about the season. Well, well BS. Okay, as we get closer, people are getting excited because there is so much intrigue to this season because we don't know what's going to happen, guys. We can say, all right, uh, we think this, this, and this is going to happen, and they're going to be 6-6. Six six. We don't know because I've said this, and we've all talked about this, you almost don't know as much about this team as you know about other teams because it's been really, really quiet uh, with on-the-field stuff. And maybe that's really good for Nebraska. That's why it just keeps adding to my point of it's a one-game season that we can't wait for next Saturday at noon to see what this team looks like. I'm even betting, guys, players and coaches feel the same way. They don't know what they're going to be like. They feel good, but, you know, the feel good, you got to play good, and all of that stuff uh, comes together. But Adrian... He looks different. He talks different. There's there's more of a vibe around them from players that are watching him in practice. Now can they take everything that they've done between Monday and Thursday and can it finally get to Saturday? Because that's been the problem that even if you have good weeks of practice, what happens on Saturday? That's the only way we judge you. It's got to be Saturday. Well, it starts one Saturday from now. Do we expect big plays? Do we, right, I just last year was it felt like so station to station, save for the off-script quarterback run. It was very much a station to station, just chunks and chunks at a time. Does the big play return to Nebraska? Well, let me ask you this, Mark. Do you think, and, and this 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 may answer your question and answer my question. Do you think though we're we're scheming big plays or it's individuals with big plays? Hmm. I think both. I think this—they probably schemed them all along, right? Like every scheme, 
that's sort of well, accounts so, so, for it being so, a big play, right? Well, you're right. So I will say this, and, and I know, Mark, where you sit in the stadium and where Schmidt and I sit, we're up high. Mm-hmm. This staff does a really good job of designing passing routes. You see a lot of guys that are running wide open. Like um, really even, wide open. That That's yes. not just us no, saying, they, oh, that player was open. You can kind of say that for any yeah. team, but I, they are exceptionally so. Yeah. yeah, and then you get into the situation where, okay, can you throw the ball downfield? So I think they will continue to design those passing routes um, to expand mismatches and now they got a bigger set of wide receivers it's just can the guys throwing the football get it to them but I, this offense or see if this it. offense yes if in see it if this offense isn't a big chunk play but is a good methodical offense i think that would be the step in the right direction we all want chunk plays but if they can be methodical and just move the ball down the field and when they need a first down they get a first down Boy, that would be more encouraging to me because that would tell me that the offensive line is in a good spot and the running game is really successful That's and thus going to open up the passing game. Real quick, Chris. Sure. Does Yant – is Yant going to be a, a fullback of sorts? Maybe not like, you know, 100% of plays or whatever. But it feels like he might, right? Do you expect that in, in, in like a situational package type situation? It wouldn't surprise me, but it, but it doesn't also seem we haven't heard much about him during fall camp at all. He's not in the mix to be one of the top three running backs, but I I think we're going to see him in certain situations come on the field uh, it, it, because I don't know he, he he you have to utilize your people and if he's somebody that is a guaranteed guy that when you hand him the football he's going to get you four or five yards if you need it on third down and short you want to run the then you've got to use him. I, I thought he would have more of an impact in camp, but I think I'm getting a sense where Nebraska wants to go with the type of running back that they have out there that can maybe carry it 15 to 20 times. But do you think he'll carry it two, three, four times a game? Possibly. Uh, but I think situational, he's on the field. But then you know what that leads to? Oh, if he's out on the field on third and short, he's getting the football. We've got to find a way to stop it. Do they maybe use him as a decoy as well? Gary, I got a, a quick fill in the blank uh, that I want you to, to answer for me. And it's, it's this Nebraska will be, or Nebraska will exceed expectations in 2021 if they're more successful doing blank this season. What, what do you think Nebraska is like the, the number one thing they, they need to do better than they did last season in order to find success? Attention to detail, run the football. I, I, I still. I still look at him as a 6-6 six and six team. If I was going to lean back or lean forward, I would probably lean forward. You could convince about seven. Um, but if, they, if there's attention to detail, which also involves turnovers and special teams, then I think there's a win or a win and a half out there to grab. Um, and then if they can run the football. It's been a while since Nebraska, when they've wanted or had to run the football, have been successful with offense. Uh, and that quarterback and this team, I think they have to be able to run the football and do it successfully. And if you look, there, were, I mean, even as even with how quarterback trick it was last year, Nebraska at times did have success running the football. Now, when it's going to be cross your fingers, more running back centric, um, can they can they get that running game where it is a maybe top thirty? solid top 30 in the country, and that will bode well for Nebraska, exceeding expectations if they do those two things alike. Sharpie, uh, a thought here. We'll wind down with you, man. Uh, I'm 
your level of concern about about left tackle uh, if if it's Banks in Champagne or if if Turner's back and ready to go? And I know Coach Austin touched on that a little bit earlier in the week, but uh, I think they feel good about their backups. But Turner Turner's got the potential to be pretty special. Yeah, we saw it against Rutgers. I mean, he's one of the highest rated guys that's ever been recruited in Nebraska. Uh, we know what kind of an impact he can be, and also how important that position is. You hope that whatever has ailed him for times during fall camp is not a lingering thing. Um, but this is a time for Brant Banks. There's a, there's a quite a few guys, either they've, they're starters or they're backups. It's go time for them. Brant Banks has been in the program for a while. These guys now have to answer the dinner bell, and they've been given that opportunity. I mean, Gabe Irvin was given an opportunity in the spring. He jumped onto the radar. He might be the starting running back. Here's Banks taking advantage of Corcoran being uh, banged up during fall camp. Let's see if he can do it. Uh, he came highly recruited. Now it's go time. But I would rather to be comfortable have Corcoran and Benhart as your bookend tackles because I like that pair in their size. Um, but if you can get through this weekend and a little bit of Corcoran, because I do think he'll play a little bit, then I, I think you're okay. You just hope this doesn't last for a while. Banks has played more minutes for Hoiberg than Frost. So what is <laughs> it, going it's on true. With that? It, it, it's absolutely true, and that's why there's guys that it's go time. I mean, there's no messing around anymore. You know, they've been in the program for a year and a half, two years. Um, you know, the, the program's got to move forward, and we'll we'll see. And he's given an opportunity. They've got depth on the offensive line. Uh, we've been kind of waiting for him, and let's see. He's he's got this golden opportunity. But again, I would rather have. Turn to Corcoran starting at left tackle um, if you're going to go through the course of the season. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see if, if Banks is the starter, guys, how much, how much attention given to the left side of the field. If they, if they lean right to run behind Ben Hart, or if they ask a guy like Ham Jurgens to help a little bit more on that left side of the line next week. Well, last thought here. Any, any read on the Vocalex situation? Um. I, I would be surprised if we saw him Friday. Um, I think he's probably eh, probably two weeks away mm-hmm. in an emergency situation. Could you use him? And it might be an emergency situation when you're down some tight ends. Uh, he'll be a kind of guy that'll say, hey, coach, I'm ready to go. But remember, Nebraska's in it for the while. I mean, they're in for a 12-game season. Uh, so you don't want to lose a guy that's pretty integral by just playing him for a couple of snaps. But you know that he wants to be out there, and he's going to make a case this week to be on the field. I think Nebraska's going to have to be at a really good comfort level to put him out there. Um, and they'll, they might say, hey, the game plan that we can utilize, we'll get a lot of Austin Allen, we'll get Chris Hickman, we like where he's at. Let's just get through this weekend. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse with a Sharpie. It'll be great to do another football season with you, brother. Thanks for jumping on today. Guys, we've made it. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Too, uh, get everything done before we have to uh, go to work. There we are. Thank you, bud. Uh, Gary Sharp with us. Uh, Sharpie's uh, relaxing and uh, in a beautiful part of the world. Bless his heart. Well, Craydack, we got through it. Uh, and a week from today will be uh, champagne and not champagne room, but uh, the city ready for Nebraska, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And we will be breaking down. Actual football, Can't right? Wait. Like I, I think that next week is a is a line of demarcation where we are going to talk much less about mentality and thought process and off the field this, off the field. It'll be football. We can like talk actual, meat actual and sport. potatoes, meat and potatoes. It'll be good. Now uh, we'll let you know where the hell we're going to be at Friday and Saturday at some point next week. But Craig, I can take care. Appreciate you, man. 
You as well, sir. Talk next week. Elijah, big thanks to you. Back at you Monday at 4 with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.